chapter thirteen of ronald and i or studies from life by alfred prator this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirteen declined with thanks a postscript read and rejected would be a more satisfying formula but the oracle is discreetly vague and condescends not to particulars editorial reticence is surely a queer anomaly in these days when a reason is required for everything when my own effusions have come back to me with the trite ascription i could have welcomed enthusiastically the scantiest information the liveliest abuse in exchange for that exasperating commonplace sometimes even this amount of formal recognition was deferred at first i augured hopefully from the delay till experience taught me otherwise once when an editor had kept my manuscript kicking about in this way i actually wrote him my mind in free and unorthodox language unwise most unwise you will say yes but oh so satisfactory add to which my letter effected its purpose he made up his mind then and there on the merits of my article and declined it with thanks the italics are his own but the mystery remains a mystery he did not reveal it to me in spite of his gratitude for my contribution and i still hold to my opinion that such delay is discourteous to a male contributor and ungallant to a lady besides what is the reason is it that the editor waits to see what space he has got left at the finish and then accepts an article and not for its merits but for its length on much the same principle as a lady will ask you at breakfast for just the amount of bread that will suit a remnant of butter or vice versa if so aristophanes had anticipated the process or one very nearly resembling it man man he says they are weighing my tragedy as if it were a pound of beef by the way why shouldn't the editorial chair be thrown open to competition it is thus we elect our professors or some of them at cambridge let a candidate for the office be required to compose an exercise say a complete story for the magazine he aspires to conduct so should we respect an editor more or possibly fear him less at any rate no order of men least of all one which examines others should be debarred nowadays from the privilege of being examined in its turn the fear is that if my suggestion were acted upon it would empty the universities of their professors who could resist the attraction of a post which limits the bulk of its correspondence to one conventional formula besides to a tired tripos examiner the duty of looking over a few hundred magazine articles per month would be a frolic a light and airy holiday task but he'd think the rules of the competition a trifle rough on the candidates and might be tempted to violate decorum by an occasional word of encouragement and help apart from the suspense they inflicted upon me due no doubt to the care they bestowed on the investigation i think the editors were not far out in their judgment of my work it always looked so heavy even to a partial critic like myself on the morning after i had written it once in despair i showed an article to a great novelist who is happily also a great friend what is the reason i asked him that it always looks so lumpy and devoid of wit and smartness 
i wonder he had patience to read it through perhaps it was my presence that inspired him and then he said not so bad in sense but as you say terribly cumbrous in form let's see what's the matter with it why it's description 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 instead of action 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 as demosthenes recommended in a kindred art it's an essay good enough so far as the matter goes but wearisome and heavy almost beyond my endurance well what's to be done with it break it up was the reply and make them talk see here's a man called fred make him talk to the first woman he meets susan i see you've called her let him ask her how she is and where she's going and whether it's a fine day do this with every proper name you can find and you'll soon see the mass disintegrate and look promising for the printer's hands i followed his advice and triumph of triumphs the article was accepted but i felt unhappy and disquieted even in my hour of success the fact is the plot of my story was a dream yes it came straight to me at midnight from the god oniris himself complete to the very smallest detail and where was i to look for another i very seldom dream at all and never before or afterwards a complete story and as i can never originate a plot my chances for the future are the reverse of promising yet i labour on with a persistency beyond all praise and always during the night a detrimental practice involving great expenditure of candles and tissue by daylight my ideas entirely evaporate and i have abandoned the attempt as hopeless the sight too of a fair blank sheet of paper makes my thoughts take wing on the instant they can only be arrested on scraps of waste paper or best of all on the pages of a novel it is said that the criticisms on corelli are literally given to the dogs but my revenge upon a dull novel is i flatter myself more recondite still i punish a poor story by using it as the palimpsest for a poorer one hence the highest tribute i can pay to my heroes in literature is an unspoken i mean an unwritten one i leave their pages immaculate my mind might be teeming at midnight with the noblest of thoughts yet i could not bring myself to record them even in thought upon the pages of quentin durwood esmond silas marner the return of the native or wuthering heights judging it for power alone power that never flags from the first page to the last i know of nothing that approaches wuthering heights except the preface charlotte bronte wrote for it yet i never read the book without compassionating the authoress the creation of a character like heathcliff must have been one long struggle against herself to be faced without flinching as one of the penalties of genius what her own choice would have been is shown by the relief with which she flings behind her the nightmare of the past to picture the hope and happiness of earnshaw's love her second book if she had lived to write it would certainly have been more genial it would scarcely have been so great end of chapter thirteen end of ronald and i or studies from life by alfred pretter